1: At LuckyLandSlots.com,
0: available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nations Football Podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is before the box score. I guarantee that I, Nate Edwards, had a better day than anybody else listening to this podcast. Because what did I do on Saturday? Listeners, I was in a wedding. When Missouri was kicking off, I was uh, eating sandwiches, eating some chips, getting our picture taken in Forest Park in St. Louis. We were running around, having a great time, hanging out with friends, had a great wedding, was outside, perfect fall weather, couldn't be any more beautiful, love was in the air, people got married, drinks were had, festivities were thrown. I didn't watch a second of the Missouri football game. BK, how are you doing?
1: I watched multiple seconds of the Missouri football game. <laughs> <laughs> Not just one, but many a second. Uh, I'm doing good otherwise. Uh, it's, I, I feel like every time that I turn on a Mizzou game, I'm prepared for something new to happen, and then I just watch the same story over and over again, which has become a little bit frustrating, but we'll certainly be able to hash that out over the next however many minutes.
0: Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really frustrating because college football is such a variance sport. When you you know really college sports in general but certainly football that requires so many players to execute at the same time at the college age, you know 18 to 22 or whatever. The fact that you can get consistency like Alabama does is incredible. That should never happen. And even Alabama loses games, right? So when you have a team that's so bad like Missouri and they're consistently bad in the exact same ways, regardless of opponent, every single time. no Low energy, nothing exciting, defense gets its ass run on. Like, it, you know, if you just want to be bad, be bad in different ways. Show us a new thing that you suck at. And so far this year, it's just being bad at everything. And not only being bad at everything, but it seems like everyone's just regressing as the weeks go on. BK, what the hell is happening here?
1: Man, they're really bad at stopping the run. They have the worst possible timing to make the worst possible mistakes offensively. They're not particularly disciplined as a team. They've committed a ton of turnovers in recent weeks. Or excuse me, turnovers, yes, but penalties in recent weeks. They had 13 more that were accepted in this one against Texas A&M. If you're not going to be particularly talented, you have to be disciplined and well-coached. And right now this team does none of those things. They're just a bad football team right now. And that doesn't mean they will remain one. Maybe they do end up uh, after this bye week on Saturday. Maybe they do go out to Vandy and put a beaten on uh, on Vandy. They end up beating South Carolina. And maybe they even come up with an upset against Florida or Arkansas. It's possible, I suppose but this team over the last really six weeks has, and maybe even you could say all season has just not played very well. And I think that's, what's frustrating is I I didn't think they were going to be great coming into the year, but I didn't think they would look as lethargic and as sloppy as they have. And that's Mm. just tough to watch. It's hard to watch bad football. And for much of the last few weeks in particular, They've played some really bad football, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the the opponents have varied. Uh, obviously, Kentucky is you know, kind of in the running for second best team in the East. Boston College is a very good ACC team, apparently, even with their backup quarterback. North Texas isn't good. Like, that, that's not changed. Uh, and, and neither has, neither is SEMO, but like, all of those teams did the exact same thing, like you said. Now some of them had better success. Some of them were able to hang around longer. But even in our losses, God, it, it's just been terrible. Remember Central Michigan, go back to the first game of the year. That was a nail biter to the end. <laughs> like, and we we're just like, oh well, they're getting used to the you know the new system. And you know, they probably still are, but wow, that was that apparently was the canary in the coal mine. And and like you said, we knew they were going to be bad. We thought you know an old older defensive line would be a strength, but that's that's just not the case. Um, I, I there's plenty of rumors and stories that you can find on any message board that you go to, and everyone's got you know a friend whose son is on the team and they hate the offensive system or they don't understand what Wilkes is trying to tell them. Like the words are all different and the schemes all different and the positioning is all different. And they don't like it and whatever. The point is, is that they're not any good. It doesn't seem like they're grasping anything as the season goes on, and not only that, but they look completely unprepared. You talked about the turnovers. You talked about the penalties. What this team looks like garbage just out the chute. First play, first offensive play. They, I can't remember the last time they scored in their first possession this year. If they, if they did at all. Um, you know, and, and, and so these opponents that we're going up against, especially Texas A&M and especially Tennessee, you pointed this out in the five takeaways that you put up at the end of the game about how much Missouri has been outscored. Texas A&M was up what? 21, nothing mm-hmm. within 10 minutes. Right. Yep. Tennessee, very similar situation. Like I know you crunched the numbers, but like Missouri's losing in the first quarter. How do you, how do you come back when you're already down 21-0 before the first commercial break? Like, it's not possible.
1: In its SEC game so far this season, Missouri has trailed after the first quarter by a combined score of 63-10. to 10. They're basically showing up to the field, playing 15 minutes of football, and then realizing before the end of the first quarter, oh, we're not winning today. We can go ahead and pack up our bags. And... If you look at it more specifically at the last two SEC games, they've only played what three of them so far now this year. Um, Mm -hmm. The last two against Texas A&M and Tennessee, it's over. Like They get out of the first quarter. They've been down 49 to three combined in those two games. They had no chance, no chance of being able to come back from those kinds of deficits. The rest of the 45 minutes in both of those games, they were just there because they had to be played if they, if both teams could come to center uh, midfield and just come to uh, an agreement, Hey, let's just go ahead and knock out the next 45 minutes. There's no need to play them. It would have changed. Nothing changed the final score. Technically (laughs) it would have changed some of the statistical rankings. And frankly, for Mizzou, it would have been better for them because then they wouldn't currently be the last place team in the country. Once again, when it comes to rushing yards allowed per game, but It's bad, man. You get through the first quarter and every Mizzou fan that was watching on Saturday knew the team that I'm watching for has no chance to win. You might as well have gone to a pumpkin patch or apple picking or whatever you wanted to do with the rest of your Saturday afternoon because there was no reason for you to continue watching that game. And you mentioned how it's happening in the same way. I looked this up because I was curious because Missouri has now allowed this year five separate games. Of at least 250 rushing yards. Five games in which they have allowed 250 or more rushing yards. There is no other season in the last 20 years. In which they have done that more than five times. Missouri's going to allow another 250 yard rusher. It's likely to happen against Georgia here in a couple of weeks at a minimum.
0: When they what are you talking yeah,
1: about? <laughs> Probably when they do, it will be the most times in an individual season in at least the last two decades. And the only reason I go back that far is because that's where my database goes back to. It's the most times they've allowed that many yards on the ground in a season. In as long as I can go back in the database, it's yeah. it's as bad as it has ever been. If you're watching this Missouri defense and you're saying to yourself, this might be the worst one I've watched. There is every bit of evidence that that is the case
0: you you put up on Twitter the devil's comparison of which is worse the two thousand and fifteen Missouri offense or the two thousand twenty one Missouri defense and I think it was overwhelmingly the defense Am yeah eighty
1: nine percent said the defense 89- now sh- Some (laughs) of that is just as simple as we're watching it right now. We're in it and we don't remember how bad it was to watch the 2015 offense. Part of why the 2015 defense was so good was because teams knew if we score 10 points, we have won this game. So there's no reason to really try the rest of the game. Missouri's offense in 2015 was awful. I mean, awful. But I will say this. There was at least at least reason for optimism about certain guys within that offense. This defense has nothing to write home about. Absolutely nothing.
0: Right. And and that's that's kind of leading to my point. The 2015 offense ranked what, what 123rd in SP+. Plus. 123rd. The, the, like that that is by far the worst offense Missouri has ever fielded and it's not even close. But, but the one before that, like the closest comparison, was that 2004 offense huh. when they tried to force Brad Smith to be a pocket passer? That one. That was the second worst offense we've ever seen. Um, but yes, the 2015 offense. Why was that not so bad? Well, number one, Drew Locke took over halfway through. Jamon Moore was the go to receiver. You had offensive line. Kevin Pendleton. Yeah, Kevin Pendleton was starting to crack the rotation right there. You saw. Baby Tigers get pushed in way earlier than they anticipated because the seniors sucked or were injured. um, And they were thrust out there. So they sucked and we knew they were bad. There's There's no denying that. It was miserable to watch Missouri's offense try and move the ball. But you also knew that Drew Locke was around for three more years. That parts of those offensive lines were around for another two or three years. That the running backs were young, the receivers were young, and like it sucked that it was Pinkles last year, and if, if the entire season sucked, but there was reason for optimism.
1: Terry Beckner Jr. I know it was the defense, not the offense, but he was a freshman that year, he, so he like was a freshman,
0: had... and he tore up his knee, but like yeah, he was he was going to come back.
1: Yeah, there there right? was reason for optimism littered throughout the roster, where it's like okay, if this stuff comes together, there's a chance that next year is better.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying that Drinkwitz isn't playing youth. He is. But it's still trotting Connor Basilek out there. You're still trotting out the the six offensive lineman rotation that you've had all season. Tyler Beatty is taking a monstrous amount of the snaps at running back. Receivers are you know. Again, it's an egalitarian receiving core, so, like, everyone gets a touch, whatever. But you're playing 16 guys on defense. You're playing about 16, 17 guys on offense. And it's the same guys. It's the same guys. You're not really putting anybody out there to get any experience and develop. And I think, for me, the most damning part is that an SEC play, when you're down 21-0 from the jump, he keeps Connor Basilek out there to like what rub his nose in it to make him work out of a tight situation. Well, he
1: said it like, was actually the opposite for what it's worth. After the game, he was asked about this like, did you ever consider making a quarterback change? And he said, Basilek's our quarterback. There's no, ba- I'm summing this up. This isn't the exact quote, but basically said, Basilek's our quarterback. There's no reason for me to make a change because he's our guy. So it wasn't because he was rubbing his nose in it. It was, it seemed to me at least, he didn't want to make it into a quarterback controversy when he doesn't see it as one, you know?
0: Clearly. But I don't know what we gained from this. I'm with you. Bazelak's not going to get better by playing down 28. His receivers aren't going to magically start catching the ball. He's not going to start just, oh, now I'm going to start running. Like, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. If you're gonna suck, I understand he's still a registered freshman. Like right? we still got you know this year and three more years possibly of Connor luck. which okay. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna happen, but whatever. I understand that he is youth. And I understand because of the eligibility clock getting frozen for 2020. You are playing guys who could still be here for another three years. I, I get that, I get that, I get that. You are recruiting better players, <laughs> you have At least highly regarded athletes on your bench that are not seeing the field. I'm just curious what the development plan is, specifically with quarterback, because you know Sam Horn's on campus, what, eight months from now, nine months from now, you know that there's going to be a quarterback competition, whether you want to openly admit it or not, you know, it's going to be there. Why not see what Tyler Macon can do in SEC play? I understand you don't want to create controversy around the most important position on the team. I understand that. At the same time, you can't just be trotting out the same guys over and over and over again and expect anything to change this season and to regain any of the momentum that you had and try and keep any hope of these recruits staying interested in this team if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again. It doesn't make any sense to me. I know I'm not a college football coach, but I don't understand. These are perfect opportunities to develop the youth, especially at quarterback, and it's just not happening.
1: And it's not as if he's done enough to, at this point, be considered... The answer, capital T, capital A, the answer. He's not. I, I, I think Connor Bazalek for a lot of teams would be a perfectly adequate quarterback. I really do, because he, he's a guy that is able to play with the short passing game. And more often than not, though, this has not necessarily been the case this season. He typically won't lose you games, but he's also not going to be a guy that wins you games very often. He's a game manager, and I don't say that as a slight to Connor Bazalek. I say that because it's the reality of who he is, at least right now as a passer. And that's fine if you have like the 2013 Mizzou football team. It's not so fine when you're the 2021 version of this team. You need some dynamism coming from your quarterback. And right now they don't have any. And against FBS Power 5 opponents this year, he's averaging 6.4 yards per attempt. He's thrown five touchdowns and seven interceptions. That's really bad, man. And last year, it was something similar against power five opponents a year ago. He threw seven touchdowns and six interceptions. Obviously, that's a little different because that's all he played against last year. And Mm. the touchdown numbers were low as a result. Now, in the last two seasons, you're telling me that he has more interceptions than touchdowns against power five opponents. This is no longer a small sample size. He's played 15 such games. At what point can we say this is who Connor Bazilek is And he's probably not going to be our long-term answer at the quarterback position. I I think I'm there. I I think Mm -hmm. I'm ready to make that admission. And when you're down the way that Missouri was against Texas A&M, that's the perfect opportunity to give a guy like Tyler Macon or Brady Cook, whomever you deem to be worthy. And honestly, I would say both. Give the second half, say, you guys are alternating series. Let's see what you can do. Second half against Texas A&M, this is your opportunity. Or maybe you say, Brady Cook, you're getting the third quarter. Tyler Macon, you're getting the fourth quarter. I don't care how you split it up, but those guys deserve opportunities at this point in time. If you're up big on Vanderbilt, the second half should go to those guys. If you're getting destroyed, as you probably are going to, against Georgia on the road, the second half should go to those guys. This is where you find out what is currently on your bench. You throwing uh, Connor Bayslock out there each and every Saturday for all 60 minutes does you no good, especially when you've got a guy coming in and Sam Horn, who's really good and was just on national TV last week and threw four touchdowns in that game. He might be your answer for the future at quarterback. So let's find out what's currently there. And mm-hmm. if they're not going to be willing to do that, I'm, I'm not sure how, if you're Tyler Macon or Brady Cook, you could ever believe that there's a whole lot of future here for you
0: exactly i I think that's that that nailed it because you got to be thinking about the future and specifically these recruiting classes coming in because when you suck as bad as missouri does right now your pitch to any high school recruit is hey you come here you start immediately and you are the catalyst that turns this thing around cool that's probably what he also told the last class, and they're not really seeing any time. And if they can't see time on this team, why the hell would anybody else be coming in and thinking, oh, yeah, I'll start. Oh, yeah, that's totally a, a, a legit promise that he's making. Like, no. No, and 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 I understand that that's probably not the exact pitch. It's like, hey, look, man, we're, you know, we're competitive. We always want the best man to play. We're going to give you an equal shot to play. And, you know, I think you could start and all that stuff. Yeah, and I mean, there's only two pitches not,
1: to recruits. It's either come make us good or come keep us good. Like, that's it. Right.
0: <laughs> so, like, I'm not saying he's saying, I guarantee you, you know, 400 snaps over six. Like, no, he's not saying that. But that's the pitch. That's, that's the angle. And this team sucks. And they don't suck because they're young. So it's like you, you got to keep them interested. You got to let them know. That yes, I am building towards something that's going to involve some youth and youth equals losses, but we're building. Right now, it's you know, I'm playing the guys who were playing last year, plus a couple of new guys, and, and we just gonna be bad. Just just bad. So I don't you gotta be thinking of like long-term development. I, I just I don't see why he kept Bays like I would have pulled him. I, that that is not a shocker. I still think he's injured. I know that he's not been on the injury list, no one's talked about it. Uh, neither Bazelak nor, nor Drinkwitz has mentioned anything like that. He just doesn't look right. And I've seen him play, like you said, for 15 games. <laughs> I feel like I have a decent idea of what he looks like. He just doesn't look right. So I think he's injured. And you're not, like you said, you're not proving anything by putting him out there. So whether it's your third quarter cook, fourth quarter making, like you said, or you just alternate series, whatever. We learned nothing from Texas A&M, and that was an opportunity to learn something. So, missed opportunity there. I don't—this season has not been about winning games for me, personally. It's also not my job that's on the line. But I'm pretty sure Drinkwitz is going to get the full four years. Call me crazy. I don't think he's going to get fired anytime soon unless something— Absolutely. As he should, happens. by the way,
1: it this is yeah. a, a massive upheaval of a program that he's trying to accomplish right now. And you've been saying that yes. from day one like this, this is going to take time. And I think maybe Missouri fans, in part, this is because of Drinkwitz and the way that he sold the program going into this season, expected more of a microwave results as opposed to a full on meal that's cooked in the oven. And yeah. this is going to be something that is is going to take some time we're seeing that right now so he deserves to get the time that it's going to take but that doesn't make it feel any better in the moment
0: it doesn't I was thinking about this uh, yesterday I think you you tell me you know the NFL a lot better than I do obviously we know the number of NFL players on last year's team how many NFL players are on this year's team just think out loud
1: um Tyler Beatty. Beatty will definitely be an NFL player. He'll be drafted relatively early. Um, I know people aren't going to believe me, but you have two NFL cornerbacks on the roster right now, uh, yeah. one of which will probably go in the second or third round. Uh, other NFL
0: players? Jersey Mike? My Eddie?
1: I don't know, man. Maybe. He'll probably, uh, I, I don't think he'll be drafted, but he'll, he'll be a guy that ends up maybe getting a camp invite. I could yeah. see Chisholm getting a camp invite. I don't know that he'll end up being on a team, but he'll get an invite. I mean, it, Trajan Jeffcoat will probably be a, somebody that gets like a, a late round pick, something like that, uh, just because of some of the flashes that he's shown at this level. That that, that oh, might man. be the list. I mean, th- there might you be know. some younger guys that, that end up becoming something, right. like maybe Makai Wingo like, I'm, I'm... and Darius Robinson or... Right. Um, maybe Connor Tollison ends up becoming uh, something or Dominic Lovett develops into that. But as of right now, based on the guys who are
0: playing though. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like two or three. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we know the NFL players from last year's team and Drinkwitz inherited those guys and was able to make something out of it when Odom and Dooley could not. That was, (laughs) um, for expectation standpoint, that wasn't super great. Uh, for excitement going into the season, it was good. Uh, for you know, pitching recruits, obviously, it was good. But Odom and Doolittle underutilized these guys. Like, obviously, I think underperformed was was used for every Odom team for the four years that he was here. Um, Drinkwits could use something with those pieces, and then they're gone. And then you don't really have the same amount of talent. This is what I was talking about in the offseason the entire time. Like, you don't lose that talent and then replace it with guys who couldn't see see the field and then just, you know, keep the same level here. So, this that's why I say this season's not about wins. It's about development. That's why I mostly don't care, like, whether they win or lose. I do care how it looks. And it looks terrible. No one's getting better. And so, it's just very frustrating to go into that week after week after week and you're not seeing the youth like i said player development i don't i don't see it i mean you know you look back at the box score for the a&m game right 80 22 carries michael cox got 2 dominic Lovett got 2 Micah wilson of all people had 1 like where is bj harris hell where is elijah young where are those guys you couldn't you couldn't spare them for anything Okay, well maybe we we're throwing a lot. Sure. Okay, well who was it going to? Well, Tyler Beatty had seven catches, <laughs> Towski Dove had five, right? You know when the game was over, basically. Chance Looper got six, I think. Yes, six. So like, yes, you're you're trying to get some youth in there, but like it's the same offensive lineman, it's the same defensive lineman because you don't have any other choices. You just there is not a lot of youth on the field, so it just feels like you're getting pummeled with an old team and. That's not promising for the future. And I don't know if that's going to change in the next couple of weeks. You got an off week to think about it, but um, this is just who this team is. And it's very disappointing. It makes you want to not watch. And I think at this point, I don't think we're going to go bowling. Let me just leave it at that. I don't think it's going to Oh, happen, no, 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 five no, no, and seven
1: no, no. Yeah, how, how do you get to a bowl game? I mean... the <clears throat> they'd have to do something stunning and <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> take a win over florida or at arkansas at this point which uh, both things seem incredibly unlikely i mean maybe i'm just being pessimistic right now but i don't think i am um i don't know what the winning percentages in those games are right now but i can't imagine either is above like 35 <laughs> percent. and that's for those not into the percentages that's very low most most football <laughs> games are somewhere between like 45 and 55 ish, somewhere around that range. And that's, I, I don't think either of those would fit to that criteria. So I, I don't see a bowl game as a realistic outcome for this season. I think you're just hoping for five wins. Now get a win at Vandy, get a win against South Carolina, mm. get out of the season, get Luther burden on, cam, on campus for next year. Uh, get Sam horn on campus. Let's see what those guys look like in spring ball. And then hopefully next year is the year that we're talking about where, OK, now we're seeing the youth movement. We're starting to see some of those young guys that came in, whether it be in this year's class or in next year's recruiting class. And wow. Oh, OK. I can see what the vision of this program is starting to look like. That's got to be the hope for 2022 now. Uh, unfortunately, we were hoping that would be what this year was. And it, it just hasn't been.
0: I'm, you know, you, drink is a competitive guy. You have to be a competitive guy to be in this industry. I understand he wants to win games. That's probably why he's trotting out the guys he needs to trot out. But you can win games in the present sense, and you can win games in the future sense. And I hope that he, now that we're basically, we should all understand that six wins is off the table. It's probably going to be just a fight to five. I hope that means that he spends this bye week, well, number one, recruiting his ass off and getting Luther Burton to commit. But number two, really analyzing what's on this roster. And putting together something that at least gives the fans hope. At least has them thinking about the future. That's all I ask. Because if we're just going to keep trying out the same guys and getting our asses beat by 21 in the first 10 minutes, I have no interest in, in watching anymore. Huh. I just don't. I can, I watch it, you know, live, I should say. I watch every game, you know, three to four times anyway. But, like, I have no interest in spending the time Putting the kids away, saying, so long, wife. I'm going to w- spend three hours watching my Tigers get their asses handed to them. Like, I'm not going to do that. I got better better things to do. And that's not what you want your fan base to do. You want them to say, hey, you know what? We might lose. We might lose big. But I get to see what these guys can do, what some of these younger guys can do. It's That's purely my opinion, and I'm sure no college football coach shares it, but I hope he realizes that now. Cause he is going to get the full four years. And last year was basically nothing five and five in a COVID season. This year is kind of like your first, okay, this is real. And you're probably going to end up five and seven, four and eight. Okay. If you start the youth movement in full next year, you're probably going to win four, four or five games. We've talked about how deadly that schedule is. That's dangerous. So start it now, get him out there, build towards the future. Uh, Cause he's going to get the time. I don't know if Steve Wilkes will, but uh, let's let's give us something to hope about. So give, let's give us something to be excited about.
1: Just to put a tangible point on this, who are the guys you would want to see? Because I, I, I'm with you on getting the younger quarterback some opportunities. I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of other options, though, to get out there right now for this youth movement. I mean,
0: they have really not. I mean, who, you don't want to see more B.J. Harris. You don't want to see what Connor Tolleson or Mitchell Waters or Luke Griffin or EJ and Doma Ogar. You don't want to see what what they can do. Honestly,
1: I'm not into making changes on the offensive line just to see younger guys, because that when you have guys that are not up to par on the O line, if they're not ready yet, that can completely sabotage, sabotage everything else you're doing offensively. And the offensive line hasn't been great this year. Don't get me wrong, but it's been passable. So at least then you can evaluate the other portions of your roster. So I I don't necessarily feel like I need to see those guys. I think that's something that I'm good with in spring ball and then going into next year. Definitely at running back. Not really. I got to be honest with you. I Tyler Beatty is awesome. And I'm here to watch more of Tyler Beatty, not less of him. And every time that I've seen Elijah Young come into the game or BJ Harris come into the game, it hasn't been very effective. So I'm okay with not seeing a ton of them right now. And then let's find out what they can get me in spring ball. On the defensive side of things, I think they've kind of started going that direction. I I really feel like if you're looking for the youth movement, it's at quarterback. I I think elsewhere, I, I don't know that there's a whole lot of youth to move to yet.
0: Well, We've discussed the limitations of the defensive line several times. They are maxed out. Linebackers, I know you don't trust him. I know the four that we're trying out suck. I can tell you that right now. Um, but you only have Will Norris, Chuck Hicks, Zach Lovett, Damian Wilson. Right?
1: And we um, saw opportunities from them and they're they're just not ready.
0: No. No.
1: Like it, it was significantly worse. That was against SEMO and they had no chance. No chance.
0: They didn't. I understand that. Um corners. I know you got Allie Green. You got a Caleb Evans.
1: They're already playing the young guys. Birding. Yeah. Abrams, we got Jackson in there. He, he, he played quite a bit this week. Um, I, I Carnell. Yeah, Yeah. Listen, hey, you don't have to, you don't have to tell me I I'm with you on that one, <laughs> but they, they just <laughs> clearly don't view him as a guy that's ready to go just yet. And I mean, on the back end, Jalen Carlisle is is a sophomore. Enos Rickstar yeah. was getting a ton of playing time before he got hurt. He was a sophomore. I, I don't know, man. I, i'm with you in, in in theory but then when you actually go down and you're like okay so who are the players that we want to see more of There's just not a whole lot of them yet and i think that you're going to see more of them in the going into spring ball in the next year is when that real um the, the changing of the guard i guess kind of starts to take mm-hmm. place this is more of a transition season I, I think if you're going youth movement the place that you do it as a quarterback I don't see a whole lot of other opportunities to do it elsewhere. And the reason why I say that about the offensive line, by the way, if you're going to go youth movement at quarterback, if you're also cycling through some young guys on the O-line and they end up being bad, now I can't evaluate what I've got in Brady Cook or Tyler Macon. And that just throws everything off. Now there's no point in putting Tyler Macon or Brady Cook out there because you're not getting a real evaluation of what they can do.
0: Yeah, I get that.
1: They're between a rock and a hard place for a million different reasons.
0: They are. I mean, the backups, the backup offensive linemen, Zeke Palace got 25 snaps this year. Luke Griffin has 25. Uh, EJ and Doma Ogar, 8. Connor Wood, 92. They're just not rotating in. You know, Javon Foster, 190. Xavier Delgado, 163. Mike Maetti, 190. Cook 143. Iron White, 190. Like they, they're not rotating at all. And Foster and White, pretty good. Delgado, Cook, good in spots, but like the unit as a whole does not really open up a lot for Tyler Beatty. Mm-hmm. You know? I, I'm not saying like, hey, bench their asses and 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 put the, you know, put Palin Griffin in there. Just I don't know, rotate, rotate a little bit more. You know, I'm not. I don't know. I'm, I'm good with it. Hey, I,
1: I hear you. And, and I, I I just want to be while we're being angry. I want to make sure we're also being reasonable.
0: Well, for sure. And,
1: yeah. and I, I think if you if you tell me, hey, I want to see next week, Luke Griffin get opportunities instead of Case Cook. I, I just think that's really tough to sell to Case Cook. Like he yeah. he's a guy that's stuck with the program for five years. And now you're telling me as he's battling through injury, hey, you're not going to be able to play all of the all of the snaps that you're potentially going to get down the stretch. It's just tough for me to believe when he's been a kind of an organizational man for the last five years. Michael Maietti, you sold him on coming back for year five. He's been mm-hmm. pretty good for you. It's hard for me to say, hey, you don't deserve to go out there and get all of the reps that you you came here to get. Now, could you go with, hey, here's going to be a drive midway through the third quarter over the next, whatever, five games that the backups are going to get? I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think there has to be a clear and coherent plan as to how you're going to go about it, as opposed to just like, hey, we're going to start filtering these other guys in. I I don't know that that's fair or or necessary right now. I think that the offseason is when you start making those kinds of wholesale changes, if you will.
0: I get it. I get it. But I mean, you know. If you want to look at it from a very cold, <laughs> businesslike manner, hey, we got Miami to come back for a fifth year. All right, well, he's not going anywhere. You know, he can't leave the team midseason. He's gone after the season anyway. What's he gonna do? Quit? Case Cook is probably gonna leave after this season. I mean, they can be upset about it. You can be, you know, maybe it looks bad for you know selling them a bag of goods that you're not gonna deliver on. But at the end of the day. You know, If Drink is going to do this to win games, he's going to do what he's going to do to to do that. And I don't know what that is. I don't know what it looks like if he were to renege on whatever promises we think he made. But I don't see any downside from expanding the rotation. I don't. I don't see the practices, so I don't see the downside. And I just... If you are going to go five and seven, best case scenario, you go. Five, well, not the best case scenario. Well, hmm. like a realistic scenario, five and seven for this season, and then the youth movement starts, and you go five and seven again next year, and then twenty twenty three hits, and Lord knows what that schedule is going to look like. Probably terrible. Um, but like it, it's just it's tough to maintain interest, both from a fan standpoint and from a recruiting standpoint. So. It can happen next year. You know, you could get to a bowl, and that would be your breakthrough. And then twenty twenty three, it's another breakthrough. Like, it, yeah, you can you can talk yourself into scenarios like this. But having two five win seasons back to back, one of which is a five hundred season, one of which is you know not a bowling season, and then to do that again to win five games again in the third year, that's that's a tough program to pitch, even if it is in the SEC. And you can you can you can manufacture some positivity by pointing to development, by pointing to young guys. And I know we go through this roster, I think every week, like who can we put out? And we always come up with the same handful of dudes that are slowly getting worked in anyway. I understand, but it's, there's gotta be something to sell here. And I know he's a master pitchman, but it's, it's getting tougher every week.
1: So speaking of getting tough to watch. (laughs) Yeah, the defense. (laughs) Um, I think we can now safely assume we're recording this on Sunday night and there's been no news about any sort of changes in personnel or Mm -hmm. or in staffing. And -hmm. that means that the expectation for Mizzou fans should be at this point in time. that Steve Wilkes is going to finish out the year as the defensive coordinator. Probably not much, probably not much of a surprise. And yeah, I'm fine with it. Yeah, who? who was going to take over as the defensive coordinator and change things around and make everything all better. Honestly, I think it's better for everybody involved that he finishes out the season. I think it takes some of the stink off of some of the assistants. Like if you ended up going with, I don't know, let's say they decided to promote DJ Smith as the defensive coordinator. (laughs) Yeah. And his job down the stretch is to stop the offenses from Georgia, Florida, and Arkansas. Yeah, it's not going to go well. I don't care what scheme you implement, what you decide to change around offensively. It's going to be really bad, especially against Georgia. So, yeah, wouldn't have made sense to do it this week if they were going to make that change. Yeah, because this is the bye week and you've got two weeks to be able to implement whatever the new scheme's going to be. But realistically speaking, they run a 4-3, 4-2-5, whatever. It ain't going to be a whole lot different even the the biggest changes that they could possibly make over the next two weeks it's not sweeping changes and they weren't going to make a bad defense one of the worst defenses in college football into even a mediocre defense so i think it's the right move i think it's the right move for the assistants i think it's the right move for steve wilkes find out what this defense does over the next five weeks and realistically speaking at the end of the year probably make the change and find out who the next defensive coordinator is in december but I think this is the right move for all parties involved.
0: I've been reading a lot. I love reading kind of the tea leaves through the coach gossip columns that you can see. And especially on a the rumblings about Steve Wilkes was like, this is a really confusing hire have gotten louder as the season has gone on. Now it's like national media is picking up and going, Oh, that was a terrible hire. <laughs> so I he's not he's not gonna be the defensive coordinator next season. I feel fairly confident about that statement. I am I also agree with you. He should not be fired this week. If you were going to do it, it would be this week. You'd probably put Charlie Harbison in charge, which he's not going to do anything different. Um no one would do anything different. They just call plays basically. Um but yeah, it's it's let him give him a shot to to finish this out, because he already fired Jethro Franklin, he paid out his what six hundred thousand or whatever it was. It's really tough to do that, and then two weeks later, turn around and go to you know, Desiree Reed Francois and say, "Yeah, uh, we're also going to fire this guy and have to pay him out too." Like that's not a good look, especially when that's not your AD. But for anybody, it's not a good look to have to fire two coaches in season um, and and pony up the money for that. So Wilkes is going to get a shot. I can't think of a single thing that he could do to save his job. I will pitch this to you, BK. If he could save his job, and that's going to be a yes or no for you, if it is a yes, what would he have to do To save his job and stick around for another season.
1: I mean, realistically speaking, it just can't it can't happen. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I mean. Let me try to put together a coherent answer that (laughs) that could go along with this just because to play the game. I mean, they'd have to look. Really good against Vandy, maybe shut out good you'd have to put up a solid fight against Georgia and they go for like four yards to carry and they make it difficult for them to score. Your defense is part of the reason as to why you stayed in the game against either Florida or Arkansas, and they do pretty well against South Carolina and like, it's just not going to happen. So it's almost a fool's errand to even say, this is how it happens because it, I, I think it goes against the nature of what we've seen for the last seven weeks. So mm-hmm. I don't anticipate any of that taking place, but that's probably the type of thing that you'd have to see. You'd have to see the defense take tangible steps forward, basically each week for the next
0: five. I yeah, I would. Well, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. It's just not. It's not possible. But that's okay. Um, As long as Drinkwitz nails the second hire, which. Oh, buddy, you better get it. Which we made some suggestions last show. I hope he listens. Um, but yeah, it's that's going to be tough. And you mentioned this would be his duly hire, right? For that, like what Barry Odom had to go through. Mm-hmm. When he's got to nail the second defensive coordinator hire because the first one was a disaster. It is a disaster. Um. But Steve Wilkes is going to get the rest of the season to figure this out. Probably not going to happen. And then we move on and we find out who else is going to be coaching the defense next year and whatever defensive line coach that we get. That's fine. This season's basically a loss anyway. I hate to write it off already, but yeah, it's done. And the defense is the biggest reason. And then the offense deciding to just randomly suck. As the season goes on is the second reason why this season is lost. So happy, happy stories from us over here. Just a bunch of good news. Um, You want to talk Luther Burden?
1: Yeah, we can do that briefly because uh, from what I understand, I I think he's doing this thing where he like announces where he's going to go play college and then he goes and plays college football there and is awesome and is a five star, one of the best players in the country. So, yeah, we should probably talk about that guy.
0: Our boy Luther was down in Athens to watch uh, Georgia win with college game day and SEC game day on campus. Uh, It sounds like he has made it back without any further comment on how he felt about the trip. So it does sound like that uh, Tuesday is going to be the day that we find out where he plays his college career, whether it be at Georgia or at Missouri or hell at Alabama at this point, who even knows. But he we are here we said this was going to be the last weekend where we didn't know where he was going to play college ball obviously we know what the tigers did we know what the bulldogs did if quality of game that he saw was any indicator of where he was going to end up well ladies and gentlemen he'd end up at georgia it's obviously not that cut and dry there's a lot more to it um But yeah, if he commits to Mizzou, especially after this week, he is going to be a savior. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's going to be the reason, kind of again a catalyst, which is what we've been talking about for positivity uh, focused around this team. Because like, hey, team loses on the field, but man, we can we can recruit the hell out of a high school kid. So I know we've we've. It's always like, how do you feel about it? And that's a stupid question that gets repeated over and over again. But again. This is kind of where we can say, hey, 2021 wasn't so bad. Look at that recruiting class we brought in. And whether we get him or not, it should be good. But man, it would be it would be awesome if he choose Mizzou. That still stands true.
1: So this is the funny thing. Like if he decides to if when he determines I'm going to go spend the next three years at. And then he finishes that sentence by saying Mizzou. Everybody will be like, you know what? This season was all worth it. (laughs) And and they got a four star quarterback who appears to be a really talented player and a five star wide receiver. And maybe this can be the makings of what is the future of Missouri football under Eli Drinkwitz. And then in the offseason, they're able to go to get a defensive coordinator that's super creative and young and innovative and does all the things defensively that we want Eli Drinkwitz to do offensively. And now you go into the offseason with more momentum and the season itself didn't really matter all that much. That's one option.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Option two. (laughs) Says. I'm going to attend the University of Georgia for the next three years. That's less exciting. And then what ends up happening is. If you're a pessimistic Mizzou fan. Your team just got its butts whipped by Texas A&M. You basically just got signed, sealed and delivered. You're not going to a bowl game this year. You're probably going to end up losing at a minimum three of the last four games of the year. Maybe all four games, potentially. We'll see what happens against South Carolina. You won eh, four or five games this season. You go into the offseason. You don't have that savior coming in offensively. And now you're kind of at a crossroads as to whether or not you actually believe in the Eli Drinkwoods experience moving forward. Mm. I'm not trying to put too much onto any one decision, but given the timing and given just how much of a high profile recruitment this has been and how symbolic in so many different ways it is of the Eli Drinkwitz era. This was a guy that was committed to Oklahoma. He decided to open his recruitment back up, at least in part because Mizzou never gave up on recruiting Luther Burden. He made a couple of visits to Mizzou while he was still committed to Oklahoma. Eli Drinkwitz has gone out there in his uh, helicopter to recruit Luther Burden. Like This is the recruitment of this class. If it hits, it kind of puts everything back on track if it misses it's just the latest example of a miss in the 2021 calendar year for mizzou so it's it really is that significant man it's it's almost an all or nothing proposition for mizzou football
0: and it's going to be really easy to point to the texas a&m game and say we lost him right there
1: and i don't think that will be the case for what it's worth if if they no, lose out don't either. if they lose out on luther burden it's because he wanted to go to georgia If they get Luther Burdens because he wanted to stay home. I think we can make it that simple. This is not about the wins or losses. Mizzou was never going to be able to compete with Georgia. Georgia is now where Alabama was for a decade. Georgia is the best football program in the country right now. If he wants to go play for a factory of producing NFL talent, first of all, more power to him. Go get your money, man. Um, But if he wants to stay home, great. And we're going to be excited to watch him for the next three years while he's at Mizzou.
0: Yeah. If it was about wins and losses, Missouri wouldn't be in the conversation. Full stop.
1: Exclusively. If it was exclusively about that. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, yeah, I'm not... I don't want to make a simplified narrative of like, oh, that was the week we lost Luther. And that's that's just too easy to... That's too easy, so it's got to be wrong. But this is going to be yeah, either the make or break of the 2021 season. Rebuilds suck, no matter what. And Missouri will be rebuilding whether they get Luther Burden or not. And when you're when you're in it, when you're in the stink, like it, it it's really hard to see how anything's worth it or how this could ever turn around. It's two three years down the line when you're winning the SEC and back to back seasons, and you go, yeah, 2012, yeah, that was the beginning of the of the roll, baby. Like this is that was our jam. We just had to we just had to get them out there to get the experience, and then we were taking off and we were good to go. Same for, you know, 06. A lot of near misses, but hey, we were, we were you know, that team was coming together, man. It was gelling, had to take those lumps, got the bowl game, lost late. It was a heartbreaker, but look what we did because of it. 21 can be that season. We don't know it yet because we're not past it yet. So it's tough to have kind of these big, big discussions about long-term and, oh my God, everything is terrible. How do we get out? Fire him, fire him. These players suck. There's nothing's going to happen. This scheme is terrible. Fire Drinkwitz. Like, it's easy to do that when it sucks and you're in it. Looking back, you're going to forget all about that. And those losses are going to be worth it because you saw what came out of it. It's tough, and and that's what Drinkwitz needs to remind us. You know, this is a build. We are building towards something. This is going to be rewarded. Luther Burning coming to Columbia is going to be one of those rewards. And then you know whether he doesn't, you still have Sam Horn. Marquise Gracio. Um, you have the the four star, divorce Jones. You, you have these guys coming in that are still rewards for the work that Drinkwitz is putting in the recruiting field. Um, so this these are part of those wins too. This is something that's that's part of the build. It's that positivity so that when you look back, you go, yeah, it was all worth it because these guys came anyway. It's just really tough to to see that now. So don't get too down. Whether Burden picks us or not, don't get too down. Whether this season's four wins or five wins, don't get too down because it could very well turn around and we could, we could, you know, this was the season that, that forged the fires, uh, made us hard and made us better. And this was when drink was turned around or it's not. And then we find a new coach who mm. can do it. So it's going to be okay.
1: It is but it's a big week (laughs) it's a real big week man and i can't wait to see what luther burden decides if you had to lean one way or the other right now and listen we we nobody has talked to luther burden like not just us but in general there's been very little reporting that has been able to be done because he doesn't talk um Mm -hmm. if you had to guess right now where do you think he ends up
0: so i want to point out that if my words could actually have any impact on the world around us Missouri would be undefeated. Um, That being said, I think he's going to pick Alabama.
1: You don't believe that, right?
0: I kind of do. Because that would be just the most random, like, not only did you not get him, but it was Alabama that took him from you. Yeah. That would be my guess.
1: Okay. Uh, I don't think Alabama's even in the picture. I think it's. I think it is Georgia or Mizzou. I, I think he ends up picking Mizzou. I don't think he, he keeps him around this long if he's going to pick Georgia. So you I could think be he wrong.
0: Would have, well, committed like on the spot, basically on Saturday.
1: Y- yeah, and I know that it, it's a big deal for kids to commit to a specific place on a specific date from a specific area. Um. So it it makes sense that he's waiting to do this either way. But I think if he was gonna end up at Georgia, A, I think it already would have been done. And B, I don't think Mizzou is in the picture. I think it would have been between Alabama and Georgia if he was leaning towards one way or the other. And I don't think that is. So the case.
0: you've heard the hat theory about uh commitment ceremonies, correct? In terms of So when and not all not all the kids do this, but when the big names have the big announcement, they got the families and the coaches and the teachers there, and they got the table laid out, and they got the hats of the schools who are the finalists, right? Look at the quality of the hat. If it looks like they bought the Georgia hat from, like, a truck stop, <laughs> not going to Georgia. <laughs> if the Mizzou one is crisp, clean, or looks just looks a little bit more expensive, right? whatever hat that is, that's the one they usually go with. So I like I've, I have I have not watched a lot of commitment ceremonies. But when I do, I always look at the quality of the hat. And it's a pretty good indicator of where the kid's going to go. Think back to um when DGB committed, remember he had like still even had the sticker mm-hmm. on the the Flatville, Missouri hat. Yep. You're like that's the one. Because the Arkansas one was like folded up and nasty. And you're like, no, no, that's not that's not it. So um we'll see. We'll see. Also, Gentry Williams is not committing to Missoula. You can you can just he was not on campus this weekend, so that probably means he's not gonna come. So that's fine. As long as we get Luther.
1: It's the only one, man. That's the only one that matters right now.
0: Yep. And really recruiting is all that matters for this year, because this team's not very good. But if they can do enough to get pretty good recruiting class, that'd be two in a row. And in theory, you can see the drinkwoods system, the drinkwoods program building up and, and going somewhere. So that's all I got. I think that's all we really need for this week. What about you?
1: I think I'm in, man. That's it. Um, Hopefully yeah. Luther Burden commits to the Tigers this week. We will talk about that on our midweek show and then a bye week mm-hmm. next week and so looking forward to a little bit of time to be able to spend away from a football. I think we could all use a little bit of distance
0: right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been spending way too much time together. We need a weekend apart and go do your own thing. So, you know, I agree. So yeah, that's gonna be our show for today. Very excited about Tuesday. We will have all the covers that you want Rock and Nation. We'll keep you informed on what he says and what happens with the commitment ceremony and we'll break it down and give plenty of analysis and we're going to talk about it a lot <laughs> whatever happens we're going to talk about it a lot this week so uh, like I said that's the show for today as always we appreciate the downloads and subscriptions leave a comment or rate us we love all types of feedback you can follow us on Twitter I'm at Nate G Edwards he is at BK Sports Talk of course you can follow the Rocking flagship at Rocky Nation you can listen to BK on the radio 101 ESPN in St. Louis the number one midday sports talk radio in the state of Missouri we appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z-Z-O-U.